Amen. Kaylee, thank you so much for uh, uh, serving the Lord and then uh, also representing a new life well. Uh, Kaylee does. She does represent our church well. They, uh, they desperately want her to come and be there all the time, and that's why we think that, the, that that's what's going to happen, but uh, we're so proud of you. Uh, church, I'm excited to be here with you this morning. Uh, if you would, turn your Bibles to the book of 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18, uh, last week we finished, uh, we've been going through that first passage of scripture in Luke chapter 7, and we've gone through that for a few weeks. We kind of finished that up last week, and so uh, this week before we move on, Pastor Mark will come back and we'll move on uh, in, in Luke chapter 7. Before we do that, I thought it would be fun to take a little break and to look at something different. Uh, just wanted to sh- take the opportunity to share with you just some of the things that the Lord has just been laying on my heart. And uh, so I I hope that's okay with you. Um, The title of my message is This Little Light of Mine. There you go. There you go. You guys know the song. I saw those who didn't sing it, and I'm praying for you. (laughs) This Little Light of Mine, that's the the title of my my message. And uh, I'm just going to let you guys know, you guys talked a really long time during the fellowship aspect, and so I'm reclaiming my time, okay? (laughs) So just be ready for that. I'm, I'm getting it back. Um, uh, so don't get mad at me if we're, if we're a little late, all right? That's your fault. Um, a, a, few, a few weeks ago, uh, I had the opportunity to share it with you. And we, and we started by looking uh, at, at the life and the ministry of the prophet Elijah. Uh, he's been uh, uh, one of my favorite prophets, uh, an inspiration for me when I was way back when I was, I was really young. I always loved the story of Elijah, and, and I loved studying uh, his life and ministry. And, and there was a few things that I was just, you know, going back through it that I saw that really stood out to me. And so we, we started by just looking at the very beginning of the ministry that God called him to. And, and so many things that we could see and, and relate with, and, 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 and again, so, so much more. Uh, is, is there, then we have time to co- go over. But I thought it would be fun to kind of go get back into the story of Elijah and, and continue to look at how God used him and how we can uh, apply that to our life today. So uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, starting in verse 1, it says, After many days the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. And when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And Ahab said to Obadiah, go through the land to all the springs of water and to all the valleys. Perhaps we may find grass and save the horses and mules alive and not lose some of the animals. So they divided the land between them to pass through it. Ahab went one direction by himself and Obadiah went another direction by himself. And as Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elijah met him. And Obadiah recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is it you, my lord Elijah? And he answered him, It is I. Go tell your lord, Behold, Elijah is here. And he said, How have I sinned that you would give your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? Kind of dramatic. As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my lord has not sent to, you, to seek you. 
And when they would say he is not here, he would take an oath of that kingdom or nation that they had not found you. And now you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. As I, and as soon as I have gone from you, the spirit of the Lord will carry you. I know not where. And so when I come and tell Ahab and he cannot find you, he will kill me. Although I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Has it not been told, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord? How I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And now you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here and he will kill me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself uh, to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is it you, you troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have and your father's house because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets and the, uh, of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Bow your head if you would and let's pray together. Dearly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. God, we thank you for the opportunity that you have given us just to come together and to dwell in your presence, to receive from your word. Lord, we ask God that you would give us a passion for your word today. Lord, that we would love your word, that we would uh, desire to learn and to grow. And as we, as we look at this passage of scripture, we ask God, Holy Spirit, challenge us. Let it become alive to us. Uh, draw us deeper into a relationship with you. We give you the praise and we thank you for that in the precious name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. 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 So a couple of things that I want to look at here with you uh, in this passage, a couple of things that really stand out to me. The first is this, there's a time to hide and a time to shine. A time to hide and a time to shine because uh, uh, several weeks ago when we looked at the very beginning of Elijah's ministry, it was very interesting because God called Elijah to go to speak the word of the Lord to the king. And so Elijah boldly goes to this wicked king and he speaks the word of the Lord, uh, not an easy or a fun word, but a word of judgment. And so he speaks this word of judgment. Now, right after, shortly after he speaks this word of judgment, the spirit of the Lord tells Elijah, go run for your life and hide which is interesting, right? It's the very beginning of it, and he goes, go hide. And so Elijah obeys the word of the Lord, and he goes into the wilderness, and he hides for his life in the middle of nowhere by the brook at Cherith, and there he's alone by himself, and he just has the Lord and the ravens to comfort him, right? And so he spends some time there. Now, eventually, the brook dried up, and the Lord brought him out of this place of isolation into like, I don't know, in my mind, kind of medium isolation where he goes and he's living uh, now with this poor widow and her son who have nothing and God is providing and doing all, all kinds of uh, amazing things there. But now the time has come where he says, now go to, go to Ahab. So, so, so this time in this period, there's this time of hiding, this time of being in, a, 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 in the wilderness, this time of isolation, and now that time is over. And we see here in verse one, it says, after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. So, so God is saying to Elijah, okay, you've had time to hide. You've had time away from the world. You've had time away from the threats. You've had time away from the danger and all of the things that are happening. 
happening. And now that time's over. Now I want you to shine. Now I want you to go and present yourself to Ahab and confront him in his sin once again. So church, we need to realize as Christians, as we follow the Lord, I believe there's a time for us to hide and there's a time for us to shine. And it's important that we realize that the importance of both of these, because sometimes they can be, probably they can feel like they're in conflict with each other. But if we don't live our life in a way where we're hiding in the Lord, it's really hard to shine for the Lord. Okay, we all, we all want to do great things for Jesus. We want to, you know, as Elijah did call, you know, uh, later in this chapter, we want to call fire down from heaven, but we don't always want to hide in him. You know what I'm saying? But it's very important for us to realize that there is a time to hide. And this time of hiding is designed by God. It's crucial and it's important for us to do this. And we see this pattern all throughout the scriptures. That as God would call people into that place of ministry. And how many of you know you're called into a place of ministry? Oh, that was pretty weak. You're called into a place of ministry. I'm not talking about the stage. And I'm not talking about these four walls, all right? Not everybody is called to that place, and that's good. But you are called to a place of ministry. And, and, and we see this pattern throughout the scriptures. As God calls people into their place, into a place of ministry, there's a time of hiding. And in fact, we even see in Jesus' life a pattern of hiding. In Luke 5.16, it says, He would withdraw to desolate places and pray. That this is a practice that Jesus uh, had in his life where he would consistently get away from the crowds, get away from the busyness, get away from all of the, the noise and the stuff, and he would get away by himself to pray and to seek the Father. Church, if Jesus was doing it, how many of you know we need to do it? Okay, so we need to understand the importance of hiding in the Lord. How important it is for us to rest in his presence, to take time consistently where we're seeking him, where we're, where we're studying his word, spending time in worship, spending time in prayer, just hiding in him. Yes. And I can promise you this, most of us are not doing a good job at it. I would say 99% of Christians, we are failing in this area. We're struggling to hide ourselves in the Lord. It can be difficult. It can be difficult to rest in God. It can be difficult to just, just trust him and just to say, okay, God, I'm just going to spend time in your presence and seeking you. That can be hard. And so we often, we neglect it in our life. But church, we cannot neglect this aspect. It's crucial for our walk with the Lord. If we truly want to shine for God, then we have to be willing to hide in his presence. But understand this, that that time of hiding is just that. It's a time. See, I, I don't know about you, but there's times in my life where I'm like, God, I just want to go to the mountains and just live out my days with you and, and not see anybody ever again. You know what I mean? You ever have a day like that? You're like, I'm just done with people. I'm done with things. I'm done with, I'm done with, I'm done with everything. I'm going to go be, I'm going to live in the mountains. You know, I'm going to be a mountain man. I would probably last about five minutes, but that's okay. <laughs> but there's an appeal there, right? There, there, there's like, man, can we just like be like the Amish? Like, I get it. Like, I get why they do their thing. You know, like, like, can we do that? You know, there, there's an appeal there, but we have to understand, yes, there is a time and a place for seclusion. There's a time and a place for us to get away from the world, to get away from the, 
the, the temptation and the distractions that come with the world. But it is just that. It's a time. Unfortunately, God has not called us to live there. Yes, go there, but then come back. God calls us uh, for a time, but he also calls us not just to hide, but he calls us after a time of hiding into a time of shining. He calls us to shine. I love uh, what Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew chapter five. He says in verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You see, church, God has called us into this place where, where, where the world would see the light of God shining in our lives, shining through the way we talk, shining through the way we act, shining through everything that we do, that they would see that and that they would recognize the glory of God because his light is shining in us. So yes, hide, but understand that the hiding is preparing you for the shining. And in fact, we have to understand that, that, that that's kind of the way God sets it up. So yes, he wants us to shine, and I think we want to shine. Like, I want to do great things for God. But it starts with that hiding. That hiding prepares us for that time of shining. I like to think of it as if you're lighting a fire. Right? How many of you, you know, you light a fire, and in my opinion, one of the most, you know, vulnerable stages of a fire is in the very beginning, right? When you just have a small flame or a small spark, all right? I'll share this. I don't know. Are you guys okay if we're late? I'll share a little story with you. I, don't, I shouldn't do it. It's kind of embarrassing. I won't do it. It's just too embarrassing. The teachers are like, they're like, embarrassing story? I want to know. Okay, so years ago, um, uh, years ago, before, uh, you know, we started the Rangers program and I learned how to start a fire uh, from Commander Craig, <laughs> I was cleaning out my garage and it was just tons of cardboard. I'm like, where did we get all this cardboard? I just had tons of cardboard. And so I thought, man, I just got all this cardboard. I, I don't want to pay to go to the dump. I'll just burn it, right? And so I just burned this cardboard. I threw it all in my fire pit, and I was just like, you know, shoving it down into my fire pit. It's just tons of cardboard. And I was like, I'll just burn it. And it's cardboard. Like, cardboard burns quick and easy. And so, so I shove it in there, and I get my lighter, and I'm trying to light this cardboard on fire, but it's not, it's like not taking. I'm like, what is going on here? It's cardboard, right? And, and I'm just like trying to light it, and like light for a little bit, and then just go out. And then like, you know, I do it again, light for a little bit, and just go out. And I'm just like, oh, well, you know what I need is I need some lighter fluid. Because I've seen people use lighter fluid before, and it seems to work pretty well. And so I'm like, oh, you know, you use it for the grill and stuff. So, so, I, so I went, and I, but I couldn't find any lighter fluid. I was out. I'm looking all over the garage. There's no lighter fluid. But what I did have was a can of gasoline that I used for my lawnmower. Now, I'm thinking, that's kind of the same thing, right? And so I grab my can of gasoline, and I'm like, okay, when you do the grill, you just, you know, you can, you can shoot that lighter fluid pretty, you know, you can be pretty liberal with it, you know what I mean? Like, like it's good, you know, and so I'm like, okay, it's the same thing, right? And so, uh, so I start dumping some gasoline onto the cardboard, right? Well, the cardboard kind of soaks it up quick. And so I'm like, oh, the gas, it's gone, you know, a little bit more. <laughs> So I, 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 I get the, ga the cardboard all with gasoline. I'm like, all right, that should be enough. Now, I'm not a complete idiot, okay? So 
I know there's going to be a whoosh, right? Like, like I expect the whoosh. I have my lighter. <laughs> now, I don't have a match so I can like light it and throw it, which would be way better, but I don't have that. I just got my lighter, so I got to get really close, but I know a whoosh is coming, so I'll just light and run, right? You know, you need to do the thing like the light and there's the quick dodge, and so I'm getting like psyched up, like, okay, it's just, you know, there'll be a little whoosh, and all my cardboard problems will be gone. And so I take my lighter, and I get down. There was no whoosh. I don't know what happened, but I get down there, and I light that fire, and I don't remember a whole lot after that. All I know is there was no whoosh. There was a bang, you know? Like, literally, somebody just dropped a bomb. There was this intense heat and light. And the next thing I know, I'm opening my eyes. I'm several feet away from the fire pit. There was a picnic table behind me. I cleared that somehow. I don't know how. My legs are still on part of the picnic table. My heart is beating out of my chest. And by the grace of God, I was alive. My eyebrows were shorter. Like, my wife was happy about, but I was alive, and God spared me. Now, uh, I, I, I learned a huge lesson about how to start a fire that day. Apparently, just soaking cardboard and gasoline isn't always the best option. So apparently, what I've learned since then is that a good way to start a fire is to get some kindling right? Some, some small dry pieces of like, you know, dirt and grass, or not dirt, what? <laughs> Still learning. Wood and grass, kindling. And you, you know, you get a little pile of kindling and you have a spark or you have a flame and you start that kindling. And then as it begins to grow, what you do is you want to, and, and we do this, don't we, is you want to hide that flame as it catches, right? Because it's so vulnerable at that beginning stage. Unless you're using gasoline, it's, it, it, right? it's vulnerable. And so you hide that flame from the elements and, and, and let it uh, grab a hold of that kindling. And you add some more. And then as it takes a hold of that kindling, you add sticks and bigger sticks. And then eventually you can throw a log on that fire or cardboard or whatever you want. And it can consume it. It can handle it. But in that beginning stage, we hide that flame. You protect that flame because although it has the potential to be a great, powerful force, in that very beginning moment, it's vulnerable. Won't let Satan it out, right? But he does. And so we hide that flame. Why? Because it is vulnerable. And church, the reality of it is, is that we want to shine bright for God. But listen, in those, we, we need to understand that there's a time for us to hide in his presence as he lovingly nourishes the flame that he's put in us, as he feeds us according to his word and his spirit, and we begin to grow in him. And then as the flame grows, as it begins to be nourished and nurtured, then it becomes strong and it produces light and warmth and can do what it's intended to do. But without taking special care, without hiding it, the elements will come and it, will, it won't be able to stand. Amen. And the same is true with us. And we see this often. 
We see this in people's life, and and so we have to understand, church, that this is a consistent need that we have where we're constantly going into the presence of God and hiding in him. Because, man, the, the elements of the world are brutal. The storms come, the wind blows, and the rain comes, and, and, the, and the flame wants to die out. And, in, and, and so we must hide ourselves in the Lord, rest in him, trusting in him, coming to him in prayer, uh, 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 coming to him with a hunger for his word so that that flame can grow and to gain strength again. Church, one of the things I see about this is that whether it's hiding or shining, what we understand is it's really not about me, it's really about others. Whether I'm hiding or whether I'm shining, it's for, it's for, it's for others. It's, it's not really about me, it's about others. See, he tells the disciples, he, he, he says to them, he says, listen, you are the light of the world. He doesn't say, hey, you're becoming the light of the world. He doesn't say, try really hard and you can be the... No, no, no. He says, if you're a follower of Christ, guess what? You're the light of the world. You don't have a choice. It's not up to you. He's saying, if you're, if you're my disciple, then you are the light of the world. And here's the thing. We receive the light of God, not just so that we can have it and hold on to it, but he's put it in us so that we can display it to others. It's ultimately all about others. He gives us his light, and yeah, that's great for us, but it's really not necessarily about us. Like, that's not the end game, just that we would feel good. The end game is that others would see the light. It's about others. So even in that place of hiding, we hide in him so that we can shine for him. It's not about us. Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added to you. You see, we have things, we need things, we have difficult times and all of that stuff, but Jesus says, listen, what matters for you is that you seek me first. Seek my kingdom first, and as you seek me, I'll take care of what needs to be taken care of. I'll add to you what needs to be added to you. It's not about me, it's about him, and it's about his light shining to those around me. It's not about us. We have a tendency to want to make it about us. And, and the reason for that is because, let's be honest, we're really selfish. Right? We are. We're selfish people. You can be the most generous person in the world, and can I tell you, you have to deal with selfishness. Because we all have a tendency to be selfish. My son Samuel has been uh, struggling to sleep at night. And so we've been really praying and trying to figure out how, how can we help this poor kid go to, go to sleep. And so we've been praying for him and we've been going through the scriptures, you know, with him and, and, and just trying to help him. And one night he was having a particularly difficult night. He was up all night, just constantly, dad, I can't sleep, dad, I can't sleep. And, it, and, it, and it's a bummer because what happens is he gets like anxious, right? So, so he, he can't sleep one night, has a hard time falling asleep, can't turn his mind off, whatever it is. And then he becomes anxious about that. And so that anxiety keeps him from sleep. He becomes anxious about not being able to sleep, so he can't sleep. And you know what I mean? It's like, and then when he can't sleep, he becomes anxious that he won't be able to sleep again. And it's just this like cycle. And so we've been praying and doing that. Well, one night he's up all the time, all night, all night, just constantly up. Dad, I can't sleep. Dad, I can't sleep. So we're praying with him. Okay, Samuel, like, like, you know, you need to pray. Uh, You remember the scripture, like take every thought captive, you know, think about only what is good, holy and pure, you know, going through those things with him, but it's still like, dad, I can't sleep. And I began to get really frustrated. And, and at first, I was frustrated because I didn't know what to do for him. 
I mean, isn't that the worst feeling as a parent? Like, I can't help my kid, you know? And, and so I was like frustrated because I'm like, just like, like, just sleep, you know what I mean? Like, what do I do? You know what I mean? Like, I can't make you. And so I was getting frustrated because I didn't know how to help my son. And then I got more and more frustrated. And then I remember as I was praying, I, I, the next day I was praying and I was thinking about it, I, I, I realized that, you see, I might have started out being really frustrated that I didn't know how to help my son. But that frustration at some point in the middle of the night when I was half asleep turned from being frustrated about not knowing how to help my son to being frustrated because now I'm not sleeping. And all of a sudden, it became about me. And see, I was justified because, oh, I, I, I just want to help my son. I just want to help my son. And then as I'm in prayer, the Holy Spirit, no, 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 you just wanted to help yourself. And church, that happens to us so easily where we start out and we have great intentions, but we are selfish. And so even our good intentions become about us. Even our desire to help others become about us. And we have to realize today that in hiding with him and in shining for him, it's never about us. And when we hide in him, when we get into the presence of God, can I tell you, it's like something shifts in our brain chemistry, chemistry because all of a sudden, regardless of the difficult day we might be having or what's going on, but when we have that time where we're putting God first, when we're seeking the kingdom of God, it's amazing how all of a sudden I desire to serve those around me so much more than without it. When, when I go to God and I lay my burdens down at his feet and, I'm, and I go to him in prayer and all of a sudden I can come out of there and even though I'm tired and even though I'm struggling and even though this is going on or that's going on, all of a sudden I can put that aside and say, how can I help you? How can I bless you? How can, how can, I, how can I let the light of Christ shine for you? It becomes about others. But if we're not hiding in him, it'll always be about us. It'll always be what we need, what we want. So the first thing I see here is that there's a time to hide and there's a time to shine. Now, the second thing is that God has put us in a position to shine. So not only has he called us to shine, not only has he uh, made us to shine, but he also puts us in a position so that we can shine. What's interesting about this, obviously we see God positioning Elijah, but what I, what I really find interesting in this passage is, is Obadiah, who's kind of like a lesser character in the story. But we can see clearly that God has positioned him in a really unique place. In verse three, it says, Ahab called Obadiah who was over the household. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, and when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. Think about this for a moment. So Obadiah, God positioned Obadiah honestly in a really like awkward, difficult place, right? So, so we see here, it's mentioned several times that he loves the Lord. He fears the Lord. He desires to serve God and he even does so at great risk to himself. He serves God. He fears him. He loves him. Yet at the same time, he is also has to serve a really messed up boss, Right? where King Ahab is his boss. And so he's in this position where he's like, I have to be a good worker for a bad boss, right? And I also want to serve the Lord because he is the Lord. He is my ultimate boss. And so he's stuck in kind of, man, there, can I tell you, there's a conflict of, interesting, of interest that's happening here in Obadiah's life, right? I want to serve this guy, but he's wicked, 
and I want to serve God, and, and, I need, and, and, and God has positioned me in this place. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm Obadiah, I'm looking for a change of employment, right? I'm like, I don't want to work here anymore. This is hard, right? This is difficult. Why? He wants to kill God's people. I am God's people, right? Like, this is not good. And yet, that's exactly where God had him. You see, I don't think if Obadiah had a choice, I don't think he would have chose that job. Work for the guy who's killing the Lord's prophets. No, that's not good, right? I don't think he would have chose that. Yet, that's where he was. I don't know how he ended up there, but I do know God put him there. You ever ask that question, how did I end up here? And you may not know, but I do know this, God put you there. You may look at your job or your, or your situation or your circumstance, your, the family that you have, whatever you might be going through, you may be looking at that going, God, why am I here? And you may not know it and you may not see it, but God has placed you there so that you can shine for his glory. Positioning is what matters. God positions us in a place to shine. Right in that in that uh, uh, chapter or in that passage in Matthew chapter five, when Jesus is telling this to his disciples, he says in verse fifteen, "Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand." So Jesus is saying, "Hey, you're a light, and because you're a light, you need to be positioned into a place where that light can shine. Positioning matters. Position is important. In fact, I would I would say that position." It is more important than gifting, right? We want to shine for God. We want to do things for God. So oftentimes, what do we say? Well, what, well what's your gift? We use these church terms, right? I want to do so, I want to, I want to live for God. Well, well what, what's your call? What's God's call on your life? And so we like go, huh, I guess I got to figure that out before I can do anything for God. No. What was Obadiah's gift? I don't know. If you know, tell me. I don't know. what It, it doesn't say anything about his gift. What was, his, what was his talent? I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what his gifts or abilities were. All I know is that he was in a position to shine for God. You see, we get really hung up on like, man, okay, I, I, I want to I live for God. I want to do things for God. So I got I to gotta figure out how to do that. I got to figure out what my talent is or what my gift is. And we do like spiritual gifts tests and personality tests and all of those things. And, and those things are all well and good. But church, don't get hung up on that. God can and will use you wherever he wants. And you say, God, this isn't my gift. He'll say, I don't care. Shine. He'll say, shine. Because shining isn't about you. It's not about your gift. It's not about your ability. It's not about your time. It's not about your work. You see, if it was about my gift, what I'm good at, then it's about I get the credit. Look at what, how, look, I'm good at this. No. See, God's not interested in you getting credit. He's interested in him getting credit, yeah. right? And so, so we have to understand, listen, that, that, that it's, not about, uh, it's not about gift. It's not about talent. It's about position, right? It, it, it is about the position that God has put us in. So church, God has put you in a position to shine, whether you like it or not, whether you want to or not. Ephesians chapter two says it's for the grace, it's for by the grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your doing. It's the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. 
For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's really us just walking in the works, right? It's just, it's just us just operating in the position that God has placed us in. Not the gifting, not the talent, not the ability, but it's all about the position. I, I think about Moses, right? When God called Moses to deliver the people of Israel to go speak to Pharaoh, Moses had all kinds of reasons why he wasn't the guy, right? He's like, God, you got the wrong guy, man. Like, that is not my thing. And, and he says in, in Exodus 4.10, he says, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Moses was saying to God, he's saying, listen, God, I can't speak. He's like, go speak to Pharaoh. Wait a second, I can't. Like, I don't have that gift. I don't have that talent. Now, I don't know if Moses was just afraid of public speaking, right? Like, if he was just desperately afraid, he's like, nah, they can stay in bondage. I'm not going to public speak. Like, that's too hard, right? That, that could have been a reality for him. Or, or maybe, maybe he had an actual physical speech impediment. There might have been a physical thing there. I mean, his excuse may have been really genuine. Like, God, no, like, it actually doesn't work. Like, the words don't come out right. Like, whatever it might be, it could have been real. But yet God wasn't having any of it. God, God didn't, God didn't, what, God's response to Moses was, what, who made your mouth and who made your tongue? You're gonna tell me you can't? I, I made that. Like, I did that. You're not gonna tell me you can't. It has nothing to do with whether you can or not. It has everything to do with the fact that God has positioned you to shine. I love this story in Acts chapter four where uh, Peter and John are, are going to the temple to pray and there's a, uh, a lame man there. Not lame as in not cool, but lame in his like, legs don't work. <laughs> and um, he might not have been cool either, I don't know. But, uh, but, but God uses Peter and John to see him healed miraculously. So all the people freak out and they all come and they begin to preach the gospel of Christ and they begin to preach Christ crucified, which kind of upsets the Pharisees because, you know, they kind of did that, right? So they're like, don't do that. Don't preach in that name. And, and they're like, what do, we, what do you think we're gonna do? We're gonna listen to you or should we listen to God? We'll probably just listen to God, right? And, and I love what they say in, in verse 13 of Acts chapter four. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Doesn't that give us great hope? Hey, 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 these guys have nothing about them that's special, right? Like, thank you, <laughs> But, but it is, like, hey, no education, like, no, no training, no, no, none of that stuff, and yet, here they are doing these things. Why? Because they had been with Jesus. It had nothing to do with talent, and nothing to do with gifting. Does God give talent and gifting? Absolutely. So I'm not trying to take away from that. I'm just saying sometimes we put way too much into it. Yeah. See, God's like, no, 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 just, I, I, I want to see, I want to use the willing. Are you willing? Hey, God, I... I I can't speak, but I'll speak for you. If you'll give me the words, I'll do it. God, I can't, I can't, I can't do this, but I'll do it if, if, you, if, you give me, if, if you give it. And he does. So positioning matters. And so the thing about a light, you know, like you, you light a candle 
And usually nowadays we light candles for smell, not for light, right? They smell good. But it doesn't give a lot of light. And we've got like a bajillion candle flashlight, right? And so why do I need a candle, you know? But when the power goes out and you can't find your bajillion candle flashlight and you light that candle, you see, when you lit it during the day, it did nothing for you. When you were in a bright room with the windows open, it didn't, it didn't change the atmosphere. It didn't, it didn't do much. But when the power goes out in the middle of the night and you can't find the big giant flashlight and you light the candle, all of a sudden you begin to realize just how much light that candle can produce. And all of a sudden, that little light, all of a sudden shining in the darkness can illuminate so much more than we ever gave it credit for. You see, God, uh, God says you are the light of the world. Therefore, he positions us where that light will be most effective. So he doesn't position us in a bright room, but no, he takes us and he puts us in the darkness and says, here, the light will make a difference. That's where the light will shine the brightest. And so we have to understand, church, that God is positioning us where we might shine. And that means the darkness. And so think about your life. Think about uh, your job or your family or whatever. And and understand today that God has positioned you there so that you might shine. And so is there any conflict in your life? Is there any difficulty? Any drama? Any frustration? Anything that you say, well, God, I wish this wasn't happening? Guess what? That's where the darkness is. God's saying, shine there. I put you there for a reason. Shine in the darkness. See, we want everything to be bright and and, and fluffy and great. And God's like, no, you come hide and I'll give you that. But when you shine, you shine in the darkness. You shine in the difficulty. You shine where it's hard. You shine where the light is needed most. We have a tendency, though, that we're in the darkness when we're in those moments to complain a lot. Why am I here? What is happening? Take this from me. And God's saying, you're totally missing the point. You're a light. Oh, God, this darkness, it's so dark. Yeah, but you're a light. (laughs) Shine. Shine. But this leads me to my next point, my last one, which is that light always offends darkness. And that's kind of uncomfortable. And so what we do is we have a tendency, thus we may be a light, but can I tell you, a light is no good in the bright. A light is meant for the dark. And yet, as God has put his light in us, we have a tendency to grab that basket and cover up, right? Oh, yes, I'm shining for the Lord. Nobody look at me. It's kind of awkward, right? Yeah, God has made us a light, but we don't often want to shine and position ourselves to shine in the darkness because it's hard. It's awkward. The darkness is offended by the light. In this passage of scripture we're looking at here in Kings, in 1 Kings 18, when Ahab meets Elijah in verse 17, he says, uh, Ahab said to him, is it you, you troubler of Israel? Isn't that fun? He, 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 he blames Elijah for the problems that they're having. Listen, he's blaming the man of God for the, for the, the consequences of his sin. Isn't that what's happening in our world today? 
The world is rebelling against God and deep in its sin and it's saying, look at the Christians. They're so bigoted and they're so angry and they're so mean and we're just saying, no, there's a better way. How dare you? The the, the darkness is offended by the light. It will be offended by the light. And unfortunately, as a result, our lights, although they are little, we're called to let them shine, but the darkness is getting offended, so we're like, ooh, I don't want to hurt the darkness's feelings. Guess what? You don't have a choice. If you're going to be light, light, the, the darkness runs from the light. So stop chasing after it, saying, come back, let's hug. Right? That doesn't work. Obadiah understood this. He understood that letting his light shine in a world full of darkness was dangerous. He he understood it probably better than a lot of people. He he even tells this to Elijah in verse 12. He, He says, listen, you want me to set up this meeting with you and Ahab. It's like light versus dark, right? You want me to set up this meeting with you. But please understand, if you don't show up to the meeting, I'm going to die. Right? Like, he's like, if the Spirit of the Lord carries you away, man, he, dude, he will kill me. Like, like, he said, the stakes are high, Elijah. Like, this matters. It will cost me something. It'll cost me everything. You see, church, when we let our light shine, it, will, it tends to cost us. When we let our light shine, it tends to get uncomfortable. When we let our light shine, it can be difficult. It has, listen church, serving God has consequences. You see, we want to let our light shine, but, but, but we also don't want to offend the darkness. We can't do it like that. He says, no, let your light shine and get up on that stand so that all will see. Amen. But we don't, we struggle with that. God, I just let kind of my light just shine in the corner, right? Where it's like least impactful, like on the floor in the corner. And unfortunately, that's a lot of the church today. Oh, look at our light. Let's go hide. The world needs the light of Christ. Let's hide. And we do. We hide. We hide because it's uncomfortable. We hide because it's difficult. We hide because it's controversial. We hide because it has consequences. We like to serve, but listen, church, we like low-risk serving, right? I want to serve, but I want to serve in a way like where God will be happy with me and the world will be happy with me, right? Like, I, I want to let my light shine in a way that the darkness likes it. We like low-impact serving. So, so let me, it's like, I want, to, I want max, like, like maximum results with minimal effort. So how can I get the best results without really trying that hard? So let me let, me, let, me let you in on a little secret that I've discovered in my life, all right? I wrestled with God. I didn't want to share this because I'm, I might lose something here, all right? But it's a secret. I discovered the secret. Guys, husbands, if you want your wife to think you're awesome without having to try, you might want to take notes, all right? Because I've discovered it, all right? I figured it out, all right? Maxima, I know, shh, just don't listen for a minute. <clears throat> Maximum credit, minimal effort, right? That's what we like. So if you want that in your marriage, right? If you want your wife to think you're amazing without actually being amazing, all right, here's the secret, do the laundry, 
Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking the laundry's the worst. Like, that's a lot of effort. No, you're wrong. Laundry's easy. And you might think, what are you talking about? Let me, let, me, let me tell you a secret, okay? In every house in America, there is a room called the laundry room. All right? Now, for those of you guys who have never been into that room, let me encourage you, go in. You will be amazed at what you find. In that room, there is a machine called a laundry machine. It does it for you. But isn't this interesting? I've noticed this. Ladies, you are guilty of this too. Nobody ever says, the machine's doing the laundry. Ever. Everybody always says, I'm doing the laundry, right? We, the machine does all the work, but we get all the credits. We take all the credit. We're saying, I'm doing the laundry. And we think, oh my gosh, what a great chore. And you know what you really do is you just take a giant pile of clothes. You shove it into this machine, okay? You take a little bit of soap. You throw it in there. Close the lid. You press the button. And then you walk away for an hour. And it washes it for you. You can go somewhere else. It'll ding when it's done. You can go away. Go play golf. Go, go to work for a couple of days. Come back. It's ready. Right there, ready to go. It's washed, right? Take it out of the washing machine. Guess what? There's another machine right next to it called a dryer. You throw it all in the dryer, close the door, push the button, walk away. It dries it for you. You don't even have to hang it up anymore. It just does it. Go away for a couple days. Come back. It's dry. It's magic. And the whole time, guess what? You get the credit. You did it. All you had to do was push two buttons and you're a hero because you did the laundry. <laughs> now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, but Pastor Trevor, you still have to fold and put away the laundry. And you're right. You should fold and put away the laundry. If you want to do it right, that's the other. And that's, that is, you're right. That's, that requires a little bit uh, more effort, but not really. I'll let you in on a secret here, Okay. You can fold the laundry. Now, the th great thing about folding laundry is any laundry that's difficult to fold, you just put it on a hanger. Yeah. If you're going like, this doesn't work, don't fold it, just hang it. Right? Just hang it and forget it, right? And then for all of the little things that you can fold, that takes like one or two folds, you don't need a lot of like brain power to do that. So you can do that, listen to this, guys. You can do that while watching TV. <laughs> so when I do the laundry, I catch up on all of the Bourne movies. I've seen them all. I'll come out of the room all day long like, oh, I just finished watching TV. I mean, I just did all the laundry, right? And my wife's like, you're the best husband ever. And I'm like, I know, right? <laughs> Maximum credit, minimal effort. That's a free one, guys. It's a good one. It's awesome. But listen, here's the thing. Hey, I, 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 the laundry is done. I want to hear it. Worship team, if you guys would come back up. When we let our light shine, I know it's not in our nature. We want, we want low-impact serving. But the truth is, is when we let our light shine, it makes an impact. It makes a difference. People, listen, the whole point of your light to shine is that people will see it. That's the whole point. So we can't shine well without it being noticeable. 
We can't shine well without it costing us something. We can't shine well without there being some consequences. Jesus told his disciples this in Matthew chapter 16. It says, then Jesus told the disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus is saying, listen, it will cost you something. He says in another verse, count the cost. It will cost you. It will not be easy. Okay, listen, you don't get all of the credit without any of the effort. And, and, and so we have to recognize that it will, it, it, there, 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 there will be some tension there. We've got to be willing to let God's light shine through us. Listen, it's not about you. It's not about what you've done. I mean, honestly, I can take the laundry story and turn it around and say, you know, that's really, that's really God's grace in our life. We get a shine even though we don't deserve it people got to look at our life and say wow there's something attractive there even though it wasn't our doing people got to look at us and say man i wish i had what you had have and we, and we got to say it's not me that's done it man I, I it's all jesus so yeah are there good works for us to to walk in absolutely but they're his good works that he appointed for us that he set before us all we got to do is push the button. Okay, God. I'm in this position. Let your light shine. Bow your heads and close your eyes if, with me if you would this morning. Here's the question I have to ask for you. I'm sorry we're going late. That's your fault, okay? We're almost done. Here's the question I have for you. Are you shining well? And you'll know by the next question, which is, are you hiding well? Holy Spirit of God, would you come? And Lord, would you begin to minister to our hearts? Would you show us those areas in our life Lord, where we have failed to make you the priority? God, would you show us how we've been so consumed with the, with the things of this world that we've completely lost sight of who our God is, where our strength and hope comes from. Lord, bring us into those, the, 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 the desolate wilderness places that we might cry out for you once again, that we would be hungry for the word of God, that we would be desperate, God, to, 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 for your presence, desperate to worship you again, Lord. God, bring us into that place where we are so uh, stretched beyond our flesh that we have no choice but to run and find shelter in the wings of our God. And then, Lord, I pray that as we hide in your presence, that you would take the light of Christ and that you would place it in our hearts and that you would let it shine brightly, position us into the dark, the dark places of this world, the dark places of our life, not so that we can just complain about those things, but so that we can let God's light shine in such a way that the darkness flees. Lord, use us. We determine today this little light of mine I'm going to let it shine. I won't let, I won't let Satan fit out. 
I'm going to let it shine. I'm not going to hide in a corner. I'm not going to hide under a basket. I'm going to let it shine. Let that be our declaration today. We thank you for it, and we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Church, if you're here this morning, we're just going to close out with this song. Please don't rush out. Let's just take a moment and worship him. If you need prayer today, I would love to pray with you. Maybe you're here and you're saying, man, I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Then, man, come, let God uh, speak to you. Let us pray with you. Uh, If you need prayer at all, we would love to pray with you. But let's do this. Let's stand together and let's sing this song together one last time and worship him. Shine your light, let the whole world see. Sing it for the glory.
Father, we thank you today for that you are the light of the world. And we thank you that you have called us to be bearers of that light. And so we ask Jesus that you would give us the strength to be good stewards of the light of God. Lord, that we would not be afraid or ashamed, but Lord, that we would embrace all that you've done for us. And God, that we would confidently walk before the world saying, man, my God is good. I thank you for that. Bless each and every single one here today. Encourage them. Keep them safe. We thank you for it. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful weekend.